1: Coming up today on The Story. It was pretty hard. It was devastating on our family and we weren't sure how we were going to handle everything up there, but God came through for us. Uh, Here we are, we're the missionaries. We'd gone to these communities to reach out to the people and in fact it turned around the other way. God used the people of the community and the people of the church that was in the community to minister to us.
0: The Story G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, last time we heard from John and Sandra Drost, who are originally from warm and sunny Queensland, but decided to serve the Lord as missionaries in the cold Arctic region of Alaska and Canada. And they have appropriately named their newsletter, The Frozen Wombats. When we ended last time, they had just decided to go to Alaska and northern Canada to be missionaries. Now, we're going to find out the rest of their story as they continue their chat with Eric Scatavo in our Melbourne studios. Welcome back to the program,
2: John and Sandra Drost. Thank, Thank you. you. Glad to have you back on the program. And so the Lord worked in your hearts. You wanted to go to the tropics, that's what you said, but then you decided to go to northern Canada, and so what happened next?
1: Yeah, so if it was up to me, I would definitely be Fiji or Vanuatu, well, I would yeah, love I to be those yeah. areas yep. there, you know, but that's not where the Lord wanted us to go, mm-hmm. and uh, we, uh, you know, we've spoken earlier about a vision trip and so forth mm-hmm. uh, with this organization, with uh, a mission organization we're with, with SEND North or SEND International. Mm-hmm. And uh, we thought we were heading to Alaska. And I thought I was going to be on the maintenance team. there, being a, a sparky. And Sandra thought she was going to do some teaching. And that's where their headquarters is? And that's where, was their at head- that where their headquarters so at that time was in Glen Alaska. Small and this community. is about
2: 2003, 2004?
1: Yeah, like. around about 2003-ish, mm-hmm. yep. And... Ended up, we, uh, we ended up in a town called, or a community called Whitehorse in the Yukon Territory, which is northern Canada. Uh, and it's close to the Arctic Circle, a little bit sub-Arctic. We're down a little bit lower than the the 60th parallel. So not
2: quite as cold?
1: No, well, it gets just as cold, but not as, not for as long. Okay. Uh, It's a little bit better. And, uh, we also get a little
2: bit, uh, a little bit more daylight. And instead of being dark all the oh, time. Oh yeah, I was well. going to ask you about that. I heard that when you go way, way far north, that there are parts of the year that they only have sunlight like one hour a day.
3: Oh no, twenty-four hour day. um oh, darkness, no, and then no 20, sunlight. No sunlight. So once you're above the Arctic Circle, um, which John was going to get to a little bit. Sorry about that. Down I got the too track. About that. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Um, once you're above the Arctic Circle, it's twenty-four hours darkness in the middle of winter and 24 hours sunlight in the middle of summer. Wow. And and that time varies depending on how high you are towards the mm-hmm. North Pole. But where we were uh, was around about um, four weeks, I guess, where the sun didn't come up above the horizon. So, so you that. had a
2: day that wasn't a day, in a sense. Well,
3: in a sense, yeah, I guess. There's 24-hour period. Yes. All darkness. Yes. No sunlight. No sunlight.
2: Wow. I can't even imagine that.
1: Yeah, it certainly, uh, it was very interesting. Um, Whitehorse, as we said, wasn't too bad Mm -hmm. um, because we were down a little bit lower. Uh, Further north, it was a little bit, it was hard for me to take. The darkness was really tough for me at times.
2: Yeah. Um, You know, I I I can see sometimes, you know, you get like a week or two where it's cloudy and even that's kind of depressing after a while. You, you want to see the sun. But you, this is like weeks on end. Yeah, it is. It is. I it, When we were further
1: north, I used to uh, look forward to the first of February when we would just see the little glimmer of the, the sun come up on the horizon and go down again because you'd get a little glow in the sky and it was like That was it. That was it. And then as February went further on and into March it'd start getting your sunlight and it was much better for me. Um I really understand how um a seasonal affective syndrome works now because What uh, is that? It's uh it's just the darkness uh we um the, the lack of there?
3: um vitamin d from yeah. that you get from from the sun um really begins to play havoc with with your emotions. Yeah, and yeah, stuff. I can imagine that and also um you're probably not aware that there's a chemical reaction that happens in, in your eyes when sunlight hits your eyes and is that uh, right? And that's what helps actually regulates your body, um, sleep patterns and things like that. So when when your body's not actually getting those regular stimulations mm-hmm. from, from the sun, um, it starts sort of getting out of whack. And, mm. and so you get this seasonal affective disorder and it just really becomes a bit of a problem and causes fairly major depression. Is As, that the
2: main thing that people go through? Yeah. Seasonal and, depression? Or?
3: um there's a lot of depression. The, the depression in our region of where we work is extremely high, causing a lot of suicides and, and things like mm. that. But um, some of it is societal things that are, are going on, mm-hmm. um, other things are, it's spiritual, and then other is physical things like like the seasonal affective disorder. So there's mm. many reasons for it.
2: And on the other side of the coin, the other season, do you get like 24 hours sunlight?
3: Yeah, so wow. and that's that's the opposite. And so John really struggles with the darkness. I really struggle with the light because um You're trying to sleep. Yeah. And and I I don't John <laughs> John can just fall asleep anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I can shut down when I need to shut down. Good on you. <laughs> that's
1: but practical.
3: I, I, I don't. I, I really I really struggle with the whole falling asleep in the daylight, and, and you have to darken your room, and then you feel like you're in a dungeon, and, um, mm. yeah, I that really affects me. And so I get really tired, really, really tired in the summer. Because
2: you're not really getting that deep sleep? No. So this is just part of the challenge of living in that area.
3: Yeah, and, you know, like you'll have um, – Kids roaming, <laughs> roaming the streets in little tiny, tiny communities, um, because they're they're still awake as well. You know, like
2: three in the morning or something. Yeah, yep.
3: yeah, it's not it's not unusual. So, wow,
2: uh, I mean, it's, it's a just, very uh, different culture. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, I interrupted you to get to that little sidetrack, which <laughs> yep. I'm very interested in. Yep. What happened, okay.
1: at- Yeah, so uh, we uh, we left Australia on their way over. Mm-hmm. We we landed uh, in Whitehorse mm-hmm. in the Yukon Territory, and uh, God really, He placed us there. I know why He placed us there now, because it was a real good area for us to learn some culture. Mm-hmm and also learn how to survive in the cold and it was a safe place mm-hmm. because it's a city of about 25,000 people it was good we um we had a really great time and had a really good positive experience in Whitehorse we um we got there and and within a matter of months we got introduced to some of the uh, indigenous people groups over there mm-hmm. and, and whom we really felt called to. And we got yeah, involved. Yeah, going back
2: to your original call, that's yeah, what kind of drew you to that that's area. That's right. And uh, we... No, they're not called Eskimos. What are they called there? The indigenous people?
3: So in Whitehorse, they, they would be First Nations. First Nation. um, further north is Inuit, Inuvialuit, or Inuktitut. <laughs> So
2: these are and, the tribal and, names.
3: Yeah, they're they're the people group names. Oh, people group names. Yeah. I should say. Um, in Alaska, Eskimo would be the um, Inuit people group, mm-hmm. or um, Indian would be the other.
1: Yeah. So where we were, um, initially in Whitehorse, it was more First Nations, and uh, God introduced us to a, a gentleman there. Uh, his name was uh, was Ray, and. He had come to Christ back in the seventies, and uh, he was our bridge into the community. Mm-hmm. And we, um, we we used to just help run a little church there in the Quinlan band, and that's that's the actual tribe, the Quinlan Dun people tribe there. And uh, we had a great time. We we learnt a lot. They taught us a lot. They laughed at us a lot because uh, <laughs> some of the things they used to do. It's like I, I had they ever met stories. an Australian before. Mm yeah some yeah. of them had there 's been some Aussies in the Yukon territory oh, okay. uh, before um, in that area and uh, it was it, it was a, a really good time of ministry we really we saw people growing mm-hmm. in the Lord we traveled a lot and we learned
3: a lot. God just humbled us, i think, mm-hmm. and just really um, we we had an opportunity to work with a lot of elders in, in that little fellowship and and these elders couldn't read english they were totally illiterate and yet god would impress on them truths from scripture that that they couldn't read and so often there was times where like they would come to us and go you know god's suggesting to us that just praying through things and he he's talking to us about this or or that and and they would say, What does it say in the Bible about that? And they were like a hundred percent on virtually every time wow. with the direction and with the truth mm. and and just really wanting that to be affirmed in scripture. And mm. it was just um so amazing just to see how God was working through his Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and bringing truth into these people's lives and that it was constantly always being backed up in Scripture mm-hmm. with what he was doing.
2: Yeah. And that had to be a bit humbling because here it you was, you were the missionaries. You had gone to Bible school. You, yeah. you were supposed to know all this stuff, and yet here, just for them... Humbly praying, they were getting spiritual truths just yeah, as well.
3: that's that's right. And the thing that you know, like what was fantastic about it as well was they wanted to not be stand on it unless they saw it in scripture mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so it was just
0: amazing. You're listening to the story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with John and Sandra Drost, who are originally from Queensland, but now serve the Lord as missionaries in the Arctic region of Alaska and Canada. They've been sharing about some of the unique challenges of serving in that part of the world. Unfortunately, they would go on to experience an extreme tragedy that would leave them needing to be ministered to rather than being able to minister to others. We'll find out about that and more when we return. The Story Once again, Eric Scatterbo is chatting with John and Sandra Drost, who are originally from Queensland, but now serve the Lord as missionaries in the Arctic region of Alaska and Canada. Before the break, they shared about some of the unique characteristics of serving in that part of the world. Sadly, they would eventually go on to face a major challenge that would rock their world to the core.
2: Unfortunately... There were some challenges, major, major challenges that you mm-hmm. went through. Uh we're not gonna get into the details for privacy purposes, but uh let's just say that your family was the victim of a, a crime, a horrendous crime that occurred. Please share with us about that.
1: Yeah, and we um we were in the Whitehorse area for three years. We relocated further north, uh way further north, in, into the real Arctic regions. Mm-hmm. Um we really felt called to that area mm-hmm. and we got involved in some ministry up in in those communities up there and and actually helped uh, build a, a church a physical church building as well mm-hmm. but during that time as you said you know uh, something had happened uh, mm-hmm. a major crime and uh, it was it was pretty hard it was devastating on our mm-hmm. family and in fact it uh, we weren't sure how we were going to handle everything up there but uh, God, came through for us uh here we are we're the missionaries we'd gone to these communities to reach out to the people mm-hmm. and um in fact it turned around the other way god used the people of the community and the people of the church that was in the community the local people to minister to us mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, it was just an amazing thing because uh because this was public. Everybody in the community knew what happened. Exactly. That is correct. Yes. And and for us in our ministry, we're really believed to be to be in ministry. We needed to be part of the community. Mm-hmm. We needed to be transparent. Mm-hmm. And uh, they could see that we were hurting. They mm-hmm. could really see that. Yeah. And they came right beside us and stood along us and supported us.
3: One of the things that the people in this community and in this whole region actually struggle with is the sense of not feeling good enough and not...
2: What, low self-image type thing? Yeah,
3: low self-image, low low self-worth, never being good enough to be a Christian. And when they are, when they do follow the Lord, constantly falling and so feeling like they're just giving up on their Christian faith Mm. because not feeling good enough or Mm. worthy enough. And one of our focuses and and things that we we really felt called to was to live this authentic Christian life Mm -hmm. of where the things aren't always rosy. Things are really tough Mm -hmm. and we make terrible mistakes. We're we're human and things happen. and, And so when this tragedy happened and this situation happened, We wanted to live that out. We wanted to live out that authentically. And the morning after the the major thing that happened, I I literally woke up singing It Is Well with my soul. And um, the Holy Spirit was just so present, um, carrying us through. And that's what we wanted the Mm -hmm. community to Mm -hmm. see, we wanted them to see us um, being carried by the Holy Spirit, being carried by the Lord, um, that this God that we served and loved was walking right beside us, hmm. not, not condemning us. And that as strong Christians, we, we had a father that we could hang on to hmm. yeah. and that actually Even in our frowness, even when we couldn't hang on to him, he was hanging on tight to Mm -hmm. us.
2: Mm -hmm. You know, usually when you think about being missionaries, you think about, oh, I need to learn things from the Bible that I can share and communicate with others. But it sounds like through this tragedy that happened, they needed to see your lives, how you would live, how you would live your faith. And that would speak volumes to them more than any sermons or Bible studies. Obviously, those are important, but they just needed to know how this faith life actually works in reality yes. when your heart is ripped from you and you're you know you're hurting badly.
3: Yes, yes. and it, it was it was the community then um, came around us and and even though we had support from our mission organization, Mm. even though we had support from people like yourselves um, Mm. and our supporters from overseas and and things like that. It was the community that carried us through.
2: So you were supposed to be ministering to them in theory. Yeah, but they they were were ministering to you.
3: That's That's right. right. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was just amazing. And um, yeah, just to to watch God work, it, it just sort of, blows my mind away, um, Mm. how he worked during that period of time. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and it it was a tough time, Um, but as Sandra said, that... The relationships we we are able to have with the people mm. in the community now, yeah, they're they're lifelong relationships, And yeah. they're, they're friendships, and yeah. uh, you know we are still we're no longer in that community. Uh, our mission have asked us to move on, mm. and uh, they asked us to, to a move different community, to a different community, uh, to Yellowknife Knife in the Northwest Territories, and it was our vision and and the mission's vision for us to move there to be a base for a new push further into the Arctic, further up and further, further across. into the cold. <laughs> that's <laughs> correct, yes. And, uh, yeah, even you to guys this, are
2: something else.
1: Huh? <laughs> <laughs> even to this day, though, uh, we're in communication with the people from those yeah, communities. Yeah. They're calling us. We're praying with them. We're, mm. Facebook is a huge thing these yeah, days yeah. And, and everything else. Well, and, the thing is,
2: I mean, how do relationships strengthen is when you go through tough times together. That's yes. right. That's exactly right. Mm. Yes. So, so that has been a
1: real, yeah, it was a hard time, but it's been a real blessing Mm. as well. And, uh, but, you know, we've now moved on to to Yellowknife for this vision that Mm. we were, we were asked, uh, we felt and were asked to do. And, uh, that was going back about six years ago now. Mm. And, um, yeah, Yellowknife was, uh, had its own struggles though. We've had some, some real, Things going on there that, uh, you know, we were supposed to be supporting missionaries in the north. And uh, that didn't seem to happen. There's been a real struggle in missions over the last few years.
2: As far as getting missionaries? As far as
1: getting missionaries. Mm. People, uh, people are changing. Mission's changing. Mm. And um, mission in the north, northern part of the, the Arctic. Yeah, it requires for people. some
2: reason, people aren't just holding up their hands, saying, "I want to go." <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> to, I don't know. To the <laughs> the problem? Yeah,
1: that's, that's what's happening, and uh, so we really struggled up there. We, we've struggled in Yellinai for a number of years, mm. and uh, yeah.
2: But seriously, you there is a need up there because there yes. are indigenous people who yeah. need to know the Lord exactly.
3: Yeah, and, and you know our path was meant to be that we were we were supporting these people in all these communities that that were going to be in there and that didn't happen but you know God, God just took us through a bit of a season of waiting on him mm-hmm. and the verse that comes to mind that we held on to quite a lot was in Isaiah 40 verse 31 and it says but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. And, you know, for six years we'd sort of been sitting there going, Lord, what what is it that you would have us do? Yes, we, we were doing ministry, but it wasn't the ministry that, that we were called to. So God had um, asked us just to be patient and wait, and that waiting was is pretty hard but he he moved and at the beginning of this year he started moving and our organization started looking at partnering with another organization that was working throughout the Arctic and to sum that up basically he's he's moved and now We are in contact and supporting ministry that's going right across the Arctic um, every day, talking with different individuals in different congregations spread across right to the furthest eastern part of the Arctic, um, and just supporting them, and only God could have Mm. have. Done the change around, yes. and it's just incredible change.
2: So obviously, this journey has not been anything like you thought it was going to be. But ultimately, you are having an impact through what you're doing now, throughout the whole Arctic region, yes. through supporting other ministries. That was exactly your original vision. That's well, correct. Can
3: I just interject a little thing here? We right back in the original when we first started, we said that we God used the transformation videos. To get us,
2: oh yeah, the original videos yeah. that yeah. John had seen, that yeah. both of you saw. Yeah.
3: So, so the organization we're working with, the person who instigated that video, is the person who we are working alongside. Is that right? Yeah. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. Talk about full so God, circle. Yeah, yep. God had it all planned out, and you know His faithfulness is wow. He's the author and finisher of our faith.
2: Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you. And thank you for having us. It's been a real privilege. And I hope we had the studio at a comfortable temperature for you throughout the interview. (laughs) Yes, it was. Very Very comfortable.
0: (laughs) That was the conclusion of Eric Skadabo's chat with John and Sandra Drost, who are originally from Queensland, but now serve the Lord as missionaries in the Arctic region of Alaska and Canada. They are with SEND International. And if you'd like to learn more about that ministry work they're involved in in that area, you can go to the website, send.org. That's simply send.org. While you're there, just look up Alaska and Northern Canada. Finally, it was comforting to hear that even though they went through a deep valley of life experience, God was always with them and strengthening them through it all. As Sandra shared from the book of Isaiah, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Encouraging words for all of us as we go through tragic experiences in our lives. The Lord will never leave us or forsake us. Well, thanks for joining us for John and Sandra's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Well, this is a wonderful privilege today to be here sitting in a studio in Kathmandu uh, with the, the team from Message of Hope. Uh, we have uh, Shanti, Anavav and Dr. Pandy who are all a part of uh, the team here. Thank you again for allowing Thank us you. to be here. Thank you. Andrew Robo Robinson is in a radio studio in Kathmandu, Nepal to find out the story behind the Christian radio station there in a predominantly Hindu country. He also gets to know some of the people working there who make it all happen. All that and more is coming up next time. The Story. story. Just another way Vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.